Welcome to another episode of the weekly webinar series brought to you by the Decorative Plumbing and Hardware Association, where our mission is to connect, educate, and elevate the performance and knowledge base for experts who work in the most expansive industry in North America. Good afternoon and welcome to DPHA's Wednesday webinar, not on a Wednesday. Thank you for joining us on Thursday this week. <laughs> um, there was a scheduling conflict and we didn't want to miss the opportunity to discuss this topic because it has been asked for specifically by several of our manufacturers. Today we are going to talk about the world of virtual showroom consultations. Um, do they work? Don't they work? We've got three great showrooms represented here today from all over the country. Um, so first I'd like to introduce Jordan Tatojan. He's a showroom manager at Premier Bath and Kitchen, part of Pace Supply for their Rancho Cordova location in California. Hi, Jordan. Hi. Next, we have Jennifer Lopez, the director of showrooms for ProSource Supply in the Carolinas. Hello. <laughs> And last but not least, we have Jonas Wiener, president of Best Plumbing Tile and Stone out of New York and Connecticut. Um, I, I know you guys have heard from him already on this topic, but uh, we thought we'd bring him back in so that we could get a nice, well-rounded uh, group of showrooms here. So, and I am, for those that don't know me, I'm Kimberly Glazer. I'm the director of marketing and sales for the Decorative Plumbing and Hardware Association. So now that you know us, I'm going to launch a little poll to know a little bit about you, and I'm going to allow the panelists to vote for this one too. So if you could just take a couple seconds and let us know what best describes your industry segment. We'll just let that go for a couple minutes or a couple seconds. Ooh, people are doing a better job of voting today than they usually do. Come on, there's five more. Let's get it to 100%. All right, a couple more seconds. All right. Looks like 54% of our attendees are manufacturers, 25% reps, and 21% dealers. That's wonderful. Happy to see that. It's a little skewed because all of our panelists are dealers too, but <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> Wonderful. All right, so in this webinar, we're gonna dig into how several of our dealer members are handling the world of virtual showroom consultations. What do they look like? How are they working? How does the close rate compare to in-person meetings? Um, so we're going to dig into all of that. So when COVID hit the U.S., everything froze. We all know this, um, except for in the Carolinas. <laughs> uh, with lockdowns all over the country, we had no idea what was going to come of showrooms or even shopping in general. Thankfully, we're in one of the industries um, that has thrived in this chaos. Um, homeowners have and will continue to spend more time in their homes and home renovations are where people seem to be spending their money. Many of our member showrooms have pivoted, moving their businesses in some way to virtual. Um, so I'm going to start with you, Jordan. Um, can you explain how your showroom went virtual, and then I will share my screen to kind of show your virtual tour a little bit. 
Sure. So back in March, we as an organization made a decision to close our doors due to COVID, but remain open to our customers so we could service our customers. Um, my team and I, we all wore masks, we social distance, we sanitized our workstations, high touch points. Um, what we went to was a full digital platform. So we opened up iPhones, iPads, so that way we could virtually give tours through consultations that way, through Zoom, through Teams. Um, we also have, and you can share the screen now if you'd like, the screen that Kimberly is going to share right now is our Walnut Creek showroom. We have a Google walkthrough of that showroom that you can view on our website. So if a client wanted to, they can kind of get a feel for what the showroom layout is. It looks like you would just go straight to there and then you would click on that 360 tour, scroll down and right there, go ahead and click. Hang on, let me make it bigger. There you go. So that is our showroom in Walnut Creek. Uh, it did win showroom of the year with DPHA in 2017. So some of you may recognize some of these pictures, but this is a way that we've worked with our clients is doing these through screen share. Another opportunity is going through FaceTime as we actually walk through the showroom and look with clients. I'm having fun here. <laughs> Very cool. And Jonas, you have done something very similar. Can you talk about what you've done? Sure. Uh, basically, it's the same scenario. Close the store down except for um, people that were able to work remote and a skeleton staff in our, show, in our facility for the office. Um, full contractor services, though. So um, we hired a team to come in and do a quick film and use the Matterport platform. Uh, which is quite common, used throughout the throughout many many different industries, and um, found it very very helpful uh, for those people that were either beginning a project or in the middle of a project or trying to finish up a project. We were able to go through our showroom um, uh, display by display with some opportunities for tagging items, uh, allowing to give you a clear. Um, uh, informational component by uh, by product if you want to. It, it's really quite a thorough uh, opportunity to present the product with a guided uh, with a guided uh, a guided tour with an experienced person. So currently, we've basically found a lot of success with the self tours. So we have three basic options. You can come into our stores now and do uh, by appointment. We do approximately 300 appointments per week. We average approximately 140, 150 self-tours on our Mataport site for our showrooms. And we only do about 10 virtual tours at this point per week, which is a, a virtual tour, which is, would be a, a, accompanied by one of our salespeople. So we've moved from uh, the virtual tour uh, promotion to getting the customers back in the store, which is much more preferred on their part. And for those that don't want to come in for a multitude of reasons, um, the, the virtual tour guided is still available. So we find that the self tour is still very popular, obviously uh, about half the number of, of, that we have of appointments, a good way that a customer can get a feel for what they'll see when they do come in. And um, we encourage them to look around so that once they see what's available, then they realize it's not just an ordinary store or an ordinary showroom, and they're quite enthusiastic and willing to participate with all of our rules and regulations on uh, social distancing, what have you. 
So it's worked well in that combination. And you guys have been very strict, I know, at best about um, making sure that you're following all of the guidelines, not just on social distancing, but also New York has very strict guidelines on what states you can go to. And when you come back, if you have to, you have to quarantine for two weeks, if you've been to pretty much any state, um, then the list is like wow. five states long. And I was not even allowed to visit when I came to New York because I'm from Louisiana and it's one of those states. So I know you guys have been um, very cautious about that, even with your employees. Especially with our employees and our, my daughter. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yes, we're very careful. With, with the customer, we can only dig so deep. Um, but when they do come in, um, they, they stop at a station in the front. We sanitize them give them the opportunity to sanitize their hands. We give them the opportunity to put on a pair of gloves if they want, because we do encourage touching on the floor as long as they're sanitized, touching the displays, that is, as long as they're sanitized and um, or gloved one way or the other. And we also limit the number of appointments that are allowed in the store on the floor at one time. It's generally the three to four group um, quantity per store so that um, there's the ability to maintain control and distance. And we also don't allow them to browse through the showroom. They have to be accompanied, which was a challenge at first, but not anymore. The salespeople have gotten used to it. It's actually shortened the um, selection process, made it a little easier. And um, it's actually wonderful because the customers that do come in are committed. They're getting the salesperson's attention. They appreciate the time that we're giving them. And almost always it becomes a sale. So there's very little tire kicking going on, I'm sure. Most of the other dealers have found the same sort of uh, situation, and um, it's worked out quite well. Great. So Jennifer's had a little bit different experience, and we talked this morning because uh, she called me. She's like, um, we haven't really done had a ton of success with virtual. So Jennifer, can you tell us what your experience has been and the pushback that you're getting? So yes, we have not had a whole lot of great experience with virtual. We tried it, I think, about... April, March, we went maybe one week where we were only doing it through virtual. And then we found that people were like, okay, so when are you going to open back up so I can come in and make my selections? Um, so we started uh, basically timing ourselves to where, you know, appointments, not having everybody come in at one time, keeping our social distance. And we found that we closed the cell a lot better than doing it through virtual. Virtual was doing it through Zoom, doing the iPad, pre-selecting, doing books for them, selections, giving them a ton of options. And then when they would going on the websites and things like that, I think they were getting quite confused. And so we found that virtual wasn't working here at all. So we opened up our doors, I have to say. Um, it is not a requirement to wear a mask to come into our store in this in area. In South Carolina, it is not every, is not, they do not make you wear it. So we wear a mask, um, but they don't have to. So it tells you a little bit about what's going on here. Uh, we do, <laughs> we do ask them to, you know, we have hand sanitizer, we have gloves, we put that out there. It says we would like for you to, just to be polite. We find that in this area, if it's a forced thing, it just, they get really upset and they will just buy it somewhere else or on the internet. Um, so we kind of have to, we're in sales, you know, we want to adapt to our customers.
I got knocked out of my Wi-Fi. Are you guys there? Oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I see. Oh, okay. She's back. I'm back. There she is. There you are. Hey. But that is why I always select a co-host. Yes. <laughs> Very smart. <laughs> okay. I'm like, oh, all of a sudden my Wi-Fi is like completely out. Um, so I'm hotspotting to my phone now. So we should be good. Um, so I'm sorry, Jennifer, I missed a lot of what you were saying. So I'm going to ask you a question. And if you already answered it, we'll move on. Um, okay. you, said, you said that North Car your North Carolina stores are different. They are different. Um, didn't go into that. So they are required to wear a mask. Customers coming in wear a mask. The consultants wear a mask. We do do a lot more uh, virtual in that area. A lot of people prefer that. They want to do Zoom appointments and have pre-selections. And um, it's been a success. And it's a little bit faster turnaround process. Not takes out eliminating all of, you know, so many options and getting overwhelmed in the showroom. So in our North Carolina area, it seems to kind of adapt to those those settings they love it and they think it's easy and the process is great um the walk-in traffic is a little bit more minimum there um so if there is an appointment it's spread out and they like that and consultants spread those appointments out versus here it's just a free-for-all <laughs> pretty much <laughs> yeah so we have a couple questions from attendees that i'm going to get to before we before i ask the questions um yeah I should add, we've reopened just to make that clear. So we are open now to customers and we follow the same pro policy pretty much that Jonas does. We require the customers to wear a mask. We require a mask. Um, we ask are you the still taping, taking everybody's temperature when they come in in the morning? We are. Yeah, I did it even this morning. Um, wow. We don't take customers' temperatures, but we do take all the employees' temperatures. We do symptom checks with the employees every morning. Um, I'm typically the first here about 6, 6.30, so I'll typically initiate or I'll have my warehouse manager run through it. He's been a huge asset to my team for sure. Um, but we do require the mask and we encourage touching. So we do have our receptionists asking them to wear gloves very much like Jonas's. Great. So with that, and Jordan, you can answer this one first. Um, do you limit the number of people in an appointment? You know, we did initially, I did a soft run of reopening of our showroom and I limited it to three people in a consultation. So the salesperson and three additional people husband, wife, designer, or contractor, whoever it might need to be. Um, as we've progressed through, and, and you guys may not be as familiar with California, but we're under some strict guidelines. Um, we are at a standpoint now where it is still a requirement to wear a mask. It is a state mandate, but we will limit it to 15 people in the showroom. If we get more than 15, we will lock the front door. We will ask them to wait outside and we will try and schedule an appointment with them. Wow, okay. Um, Jonas, what about you at best? Uh, basically, not quite as strict, but pretty pretty much the same sort of thing. Um, we're about to, um, um, in most of our stores, we're going to keep one where you still keep the door locked. But we're about to <clears throat> let the customer come in, and um, we we do moderate the traffic if we find that we get the um, more than three or four groups of customers at a time. We'll go back and lock the door, keep the sign up that says "Call this special number for an appointment." That special number rings through every desk in the store. So it's a, it's a hotline. It gets picked up immediately instead of going to our main circuit. Uh, circuit. And uh, somebody will greet that customer at the door and give them the story about how quickly they can get an appointment or if they can come in as a walk-in. But we're, we're at the tipping point, I would say, 
in the marketplace, assuming the second wave doesn't come in through our area. We're, we're much more comfortable uh, letting the customers come in, but we'll still control the volume of customers. And um, we haven't opened on Saturdays yet, for example, or Sundays, which we were a seven-day-a-week operation in, most of our, in se- several of our locations. We're just five-day-a-week. And we found that that has actually been just fine. The demand for the weekends has not come, basically, because many people are working from home. Yep, their schedule is so quite different. There. Yeah. yeah, so it's, <laughs> it's really helped on the scheduling side quite a bit. But we, we keep track of that on a daily basis to track the, uh, the stats on requests. And uh, we're actually committing through the end of October to not open on Saturday or Sundays, which is wonderful if we don't need to. That's great. And now, Jennifer, you don't have the same kind of regulations, but as a company, are you limiting the amount of people in your appointments? We do try to monitor the floor. We spread it out. If we have a, a mass amount of people coming in, we do let them sit in the seating area um, and just kind of wait till the flow kind of comes through. We stagger our appointments. We try to be friendly because some people are, you know, we're in an area that some people do care and some people don't. So we're trying to meet the needs for all customers, not just one set of few. So we definitely um, limit the the grouping together in the appointment setting. And to also say this, we do check temperatures for our, our employees every morning. So we are being very cautious. I think that's very important. So we all feel comfortable and safe for sure. Um, but as far as customers and clientele, we do try to limit the amount that come in and gather in in one section. So great. And along with that, um, we have a question from Debbie in Florida. Um, if your doors are unlocked, does that mean your sales team keeps masks on all day as to not walk into a store without masks, uh, masks on people that are working? So just the so for us, um, if, if it, this is a question to me. So yes, we definitely are having some challenges. The receptionist wears her mask most of the time, p- pretty much the entire time. Our floor is kind of spread up pretty pretty well. We only have three that a consultant or someone could walk up to a desk to see, and usually they can see the door. So when someone walks in, they put the mask on, you know, kind of go ahead and get it ready. Um, and then the other consultants, including myself, we have closed doors. So very rarely we have anybody that comes in, the receptionist kind of kind of lets us know and gives us a heads up that we have customers in the showroom. Right. Because I think there is there is a strong perception there of if you yeah. walk in someone to somewhere and they're not wearing a mask. I mean, even I am like, mm. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. So it. someone walks in, <laughs> someone walks in, there's usually at the front desk, the receptionist wears a mask because she's prepared because they're just going to come in and out with the doors open. Um, but again, like I've had this conversation with you and our area, it's not, they just don't really, it's not a big deal. So Jordan and Jonas, what about you guys? Are your, are your team members wearing the masks all day? Jonas, I'll let you go first. Cause I always go first. <laughs> oh, right. Jordan, I got this one. Nice. Uh, with every desk is shielded. We have a, a plexiglass shield in front of every desk. Uh, each salesperson's desk has a reverse monitor so that there's a monitor outside, which mirrors the monitor that they have at their desk. <clears throat> so when a customer is facing them, on the other side of the shield, they can see the salesperson can they can see what's on the salesperson's monitor without coming around and getting close. Um, whenever the salesperson's at their desk and they're not with a customer, they do not have to wear their mask. But if they get up to go to the bathroom or they get up to get a piece of literature or the copy machine, or of course working with a customer, they must be masked. 
So it's kind of like when you're at a restaurant and the rules with the restaurants now is when you're sitting at the table eating, you can take off your mask, but if you get up to do anything, mask on. Yeah. But if you're customer facing, you have to have a mask on. So, our, so in California, the state mandate and the state law says that you have to wear a mask anytime you're in a building. So our company policy is to be in the building, you have to wear a mask with customer, without customer, unless you're in a private office. So like my office, I don't have to have a mask on. A couple of my employees have offices in the building, so they don't have to wear masks. As soon as they step out of that setting, they will have to put a mask on. Um, but the staff is required to wear a mask, as are the customers. We do have shields, just like Jonas is mentioning as well. They cover the front of the desk, and they hang off the ceiling, probably two feet down and probably about eight to ten inches up off the desk. Um, and then we have our monitors are on swivel arms, so that way you can swivel them back around. Very cool. Um, so I want to, hopefully that answers the question for Debbie, because um, I think you all, everyone's answers are a little bit different, but at the same time, it's all the same, right? It's that perception you want everyone to feel comfortable. Um, so I have a couple of questions on doing business with virtual showrooms and how it works or virtual tours compared to people coming in. Um, one of the questions that's on my list and also Thomas is asking is what are the close rates? What are you seeing for closing the sale when you're doing mostly virtual versus in-person? Jonas, you wanna start that one? Sure. Um, <clears throat> our statistics are, we, we keep, we, we, we're, <laughs> we track all this stuff and it's a sale. If we're going to spend the time with a customer on a virtual tour, whether they come into the showroom or not, um, it becomes a sale. Very, very rare for us to, to lose the sale. The interesting thing is we have five, five stores, um, four best plumbing supply stores or best plumbing tile and stone, and one is the Kohler Experience Center in Manhattan. That is a whole different set of, a whole different situation in Manhattan. But, um, uh, we do close the, um, we do have a very clo good closure rate and most of the traffic's in our Scarsdale location with virtual. So I asked the supervisor, I said, you know, nobody else does virtual tours with a sales, uh, a guided tour, except for your store. What's, what's it all about? So the reasons vary from, uh, the contractor, um, recommended me to come to your store, but I don't really want to go there unless I see what it's like first. So mm. he said to call his salesperson, so fine, that's one reason. The other might be that they're far away, maybe they're at their hideaway house in the country, way up in the woods somewhere, <laughs> and if they're gonna come down and, and stick their head out. Uh, remember, New York was really hard hit really early, so they're, 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 we're, still, we're still a bit shell-shocked. And then um, some people can live, leave home, they're, they're homeschooling or their kids are there, they have to be there for work. Uh, so it's another good reason for the virtual. And a few, not the overwhelming quantities, are still the discomfort, amount of discomfort. They're still not comfortable coming out. I won't go out to a restaurant to eat. Um, I'll go outside to a restaurant to eat, but I won't go in a restaurant. And most of my people that I know won't go into a restaurant. I mean, listening to South Carolina, <laughs> it's amazing to me. It's, just, it's like another world. Uh, I can't wait to get back to that world. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's tough, but that's our situation. Right. Jordan, I feel like you've been like on the edge of your seat wanting to chime in. <laughs> um, you know, it was interesting. I, 
when you said the question, I was thinking back, I'm like, God, I gotta go back to March now. Um, it was interesting. We have an associate who her close rate went through the roof over the phone. Clients were just very receptive. They were very understanding. And I mean, she was brand new to sales and she did a hundred thousand dollars her first month in banking. And it was, I mean, it was craziness. It wow. was, she'd never done sales before. And she was closing uncontrollably. And then as we started to open back up, she started to level out and then she kind of stayed consistent, but some people, they struggled with it because they really feed off that interaction in person, the vibe, the body language, you know, you feed off that. Mm -hmm. Other people were a-okay with it. And one thing, and I learned it at a DPHA training a few years ago, probably 2016, 2015, I think when I first met you, Kimberly, um, you got to listen to what the customer says. If they're saying they want to touch it or feel it, that's fine. If they just want to see it, virtual would be absolutely okay. But I would say that the close rate has changed. It's not what it was before. Um, Being in person changes everything. That's so what you said, it's, it's the close rate has changed up upwards. Being back open again, we're closing more for sure. Okay. Being back open, you're closing more. Yeah. Close when we were closed, it was tough because you couldn't have that direct interaction with the customer. So you couldn't really get a feel for if they like the material or not. Because some people have issues with their Wi-Fi, they're blurry, you know, you can't really read that body language. Yep. Um, and Jennifer, you were telling me, and you may have said it in the time where my <laughs> Wi-Fi disconnected, um, but you were telling me earlier that in North Carolina, where people are more comfortable with the virtual, that the closing rate is better there. It is better for virtual there. Um, for here, not so much. I think a lot of it had to do with just customers still like that, like that interaction. They like the that feel, that experience that you have when you come in and people want to feel that. And so I think that has a lot to do with us being different with North Carolina, they have a totally different, um, d- different consumer, different, different kind of, uh, you know, showroom. The whole experience is totally different. So for them, the close rate was better than it was here. Um, and obviously, we're not doing it here much anymore yeah. unless we have to. And it's like, oh, but they still want to make an appointment to come in. So, you know. I get that. So we have a couple of really good questions, all kind of on the same line. So I'm just going to start going at them. So. Uh, first one, do you find that most of your customers now have already selected what they want based on going to manufacturers and showrooms websites? Jennifer, I'm going to have you answer this one first because you have a request <laughs> that I'm going to let you do. Um, that is right. Um, I do sometimes think customers get confused by the time they come to see us and we have to narrow it down. But one of the issues that they're having, and I have too, when I'm trying to help customers through the internet was some of the manufacturers, their websites, their finishes, like if you click on a faucet, the very few will change the finish. And that can be kind of people like to see that finish in person with a faucet. So it'd be very helpful if we could start working on that. Cause that has been a huge issue that we've had through the virtual and with some of the homeowners that come in because they get kind of confused and they want to still see the finish. So to answer your question on our end, I feel like for them to make a decision, they have to come in and see it. All right. Um, Jonas or Jordan, would either of you like to add to that? Sure. Jordan, I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> um, I think the consistency, when you go from manufacturer to manufacturer, is such a huge disparity between the quality and the navigation component of each vendor's website. 
which makes it difficult and makes the experience, user experience to the consumer less than desirable when they have the option of going to, you know, an Amazon or a Wayfair or, or build.com uh, to, to find the, to, to find, do the product selection or a website like a Kohler website, for example, which has got such a wide range of product. So it's, I find it really difficult to tell the customer, just go online to the manufacturer's websites. Our website is, a, you know, we're not in the e-commerce business, so our website is more informational than transactional. Um, it's, it's okay, but it's certainly not, um, not a, a good, it, it's not a good option for the consumer if they don't want to interact with a salesperson. So that's where the, the power of the virtual option, the virtual tour option comes in and, and allows us to rescue that and bring, the, bring that customer closer to us and get them to come into the store, which for everybody, I think is always the best option. Mm -hmm. Great. I'll second what Jonas said, because I mean, that's okay. pretty much the same. Our website is not transactional either. It's more informational. Um, we do not do any e-commerce right now at a showroom level. Do you guys, but do you guys feel that people are doing more research at home and when they come into Absolutely. their appointment, they know a little bit more about what they want than they did before COVID? I would, I will say yes, especially we do appliances. So especially with appliances, it's very common. A customer will come in and know what brand they want or have an interest in it. Um, plumbing is starting to get there more and more. We have a lot of requests for specific brands. Um, but not all the brands. It's very interesting to see what brands are doing a lot of marketing and how the interest level comes in. Great. Um, I'm gonna keep going with this because we have five more questions here. So I'm just gonna run. Um, do showrooms favor brands that ship direct to the end user? Uh, no. I don't, don't think so, no, no. not at all. And I'll, I'll, I'll just uh, expand on that a little bit. We're in, a bath, in the business of selling a project, a bathroom or a kitchen. We're not selling a faucet. We're not selling a medicine cabinet. So the, uh, the function, the aggregation of the product selected material, putting it together and delivering it when the customer wants it is a big service that they can't get or don't get in many other options that they have of places to buy. So um, it, it's not something that we, that we encourage. Um, or take advantage of it. Also, takes us out of the loop for customer service to be able to track down where is that? Did I get my faucet? Where is it? Well, now we have to. It, it's it's just much more complicated than having it come through us. Even though it is much more economical for us to do that and not have to touch it, not have to receive it in, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, the control factor and the customer aggregate uh, product aggregation is tends to be more important. That's why we've at, we really haven't embraced that. Great, that makes sense. Um, this is this I find a very interesting question. Do customers still come in with other showrooms quotes for price match or has the behavior stopped during COVID? Because that was when I was on the showroom site, that was huge, right? That was a big thing. It was every day people were coming in with quotes, Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> you want to talk to this. I hear, I see it. <laughs> um, you know, it's been a little while since I was a, as a consultant. It's been a little bit over a year now, but I would say that my team has not come to me as much 
during COVID with trying to price match, things like that. There's every now and then I'll see a quote roll through, but it's not as consistent. It used to be maybe, you know, once or twice a month where, you know, the national uh, showroom would have somebody walk in with a competitor's quote, but not nearly as much as it, it used to be. And I know like our, in our market, that national competitor, from my understanding, I don't know if they've completely reopened yet. If they have, it's not nearly what we are. So our foot traffic is starting to pick up for sure. Thank you for not naming names. No problem. <laughs> Jennifer, what about you? Since you've been open the whole time, did you see a change in the behavior or has it just kind of been the same? I mean, um, so we have a lot of competitors in our area again, but they had different rules than we did. So since we stayed up, stayed open more, our traffic was definitely uh, full. But that being said, I haven't seen a whole lot. I don't think it's picked up um, where we get someone else's quote and we're needing to match it or anything like that or say, can you do better? And I haven't seen that. I think it's actually died down in the last years or so. Um, and even through COVID, I haven't seen it. So yeah, not too much of an issue here. That's great. Jonas, have you seen any changes based on COVID? <laughs> Uh, well, we don't get uh, very many um, competitor quotes coming in, but what we did do um, is we, we take IMAP very seriously. So most of the product that we have on display is IMAP protected or not IMAP exempt. There are no IMAP holidays that are encouraged at the best plumbing tile and stone stores. You hear that vendors? Yeah. <laughs> And what, what we've actually done is we've become very proactive on our pricing where we're able to take vendors, IMAP uh, exempt items, download them into our product files. And if there is an IMAP exempt item on display uh, or a popular IMAP exempt item, we will uh, do the research on that product and adjust the pricing accordingly in the system so that it, it's always that way. Uh, so while we'll, we may sacrifice some gross margins on a, a, a popular strainer or a medicine cabinet that's just very popular that isn't protected or whatever it might be, generally speaking, we have not seen any uh, uh, negative impact on our margins by doing that. And we've taken, we, we've taken another step to eliminating the comparative pricing issue and the chance that the customer views us as not being competitive with everybody else that's out there, especially the online e-tailers. Great. Thank you for that perspective. Um, Tracy wants to know, with an increased number of virtual appointments, are you seeing an increase in returns? And I find this very interesting because I know I order a lot more online since COVID started and I'm returning a lot more. So uh, do we, are you guys seeing that in, in our showroom business? Jonas? For sure. Uh, in fact, this is one of our big um, concerns with the manufacturers is their return policies. Now, some, some manufacturers have really stepped up and they understand that we're in the retail business and we're competing against Amazon and other big boxes that, that encourage returns. You know, but They encourage buy what you want, return what you want, no problem. Well, in our industry, that would kill all of us, including the manufacturers. So um, where we do see it, we do work closely with the manufacturers to um, allow us to exchange, return, change out, whatever term you want to use, the materials that the customer have returned. We, we respect the material, take care, very careful with the packaging, et cetera. And um, any manufacturer that really wants to do serious business with us respects that and falls into place because of that situation. Great. 
Anything anyone else would like to add with that question? All right. Um, has anyone, well, we know that a couple of you have done the Zoom virtual visits and screen sharing with clients. Um, how helpful has it been? So as far, let me see if I can interpret that a little bit more too. Um, so as opposed to someone maybe just doing a virtual tour themselves or coming in in person, is it, is it a good, how about this? Is it a good substitute for that initial visit? Is doing a Zoom visit with a screen share a good sub, has it been a good substitute for you for initial visits? Not for us. Yeah. Go ahead, Jennifer. Sorry. I was saying not for us. I mean, and again, that's just comes with depends on the market. I mean, I just think that a lot of people still want to just to come in and experience and they don't really, the zoom is something if, if they, if they're passionate about it and they're like, you know, I don't want to come in, then the zoom is very helpful because it meets, it meets the needs that we need for that customer. Um, but as far as it being something to replace or something that I would want to continue in, in it help, I, I just don't feel like it's necessary for us as much here if that makes sense. Yep. Jordan, what about for you? Are you finding uh, it helpful? I would say there was, we haven't done as many lately. I mean, we did probably March, April, May, and then sometime in June is when we started to reopen. And then by July we were open and we've been open since, but um, March, April, May, we probably did. I don't know. We did enough, but I couldn't quantify and say, Hey, this is how many we would do a day. Some clients were fine with just email. They didn't even need to physically see you. They just wanted you to email them options and that's how they would buy. So going along with that, one of the questions I have, and it's been asked here, but I also had it on the outline, was are virtual consultations here to stay? And it sounds like they're already dwindling for you, Jordan. Well, I... I, I'm on the fence on that one. I absolutely think that they're here to stay because you're going to have a lot of executives who don't have time to leave their offices. And if you can spend 10, 15 minutes on a quick conference with them, you can show them materials. You can work with their designer. I think in that instance, they'll be here to stay. Um, long-term as we start to reopen the States, I think that in-person consultations will go back to being a thing. I know our Saturday foot traffic has already started to pick up pretty well. Great. Great. Looks like we lost Jonas. Hopefully he's going to come back. Um, we'll keep going. Are your showrooms open to reps for in-person training? And if not, how would your employees prefer to receive training? Or how would you prefer your employees to receive training? Jennifer, I'll let you go first. <laughs> I mean, I, I almost feel like I, I feel Don't bad when I say um, they, they could come in. <laughs> um, I love the fact that most of our reps are totally awesome and they wear a mask and they're so respectful um, to us. Um, but yes, we <laughs> uh, for us, we prefer them to come in. Um, we The virtual has worked um, for quick, cute, quick meetings. I love the fact that, you know, we can all come together. We do meetings every Thursday with a rep. Um, and I love it because it helps train us, keeps us up to date. We know what's going on with their products. 
I, I really, really enjoy that interaction. Um, also, my girls get to know and have a relationship with the rep so they know they can rely on them. So I love that. Um, so when we went to virtual, it was still really kind of felt the same way because they really were trying to still stay in my showroom. But once I told them that, no, you could come in and they felt comfortable and I let it, I think I would left it up to them what they wanted to do. Um, you know, we just said, come on, let's, let's, we'd love to see you. <laughs> That's great. Um, I feel bad. Sorry, I was just laughing the whole time about Jonas being sideways. And how it has best started to open their doors for in-person training for reps? Um, yeah. Still, <laughs> I know sorry. how strongly you talked about this last time. No, no, we're not ready. How would you prefer your employees to receive training? Oh, we, the Zoom meetings work out great. Team meetings work out great. They're very, as always, they're very organized. They're scheduled. Um, <clears throat> they're mandatory. And uh, the vendors uh, seem to have embraced it with us. And it's working quite well. That's great. Um, what percentage of your homeowner clients work with designers? For us, a lot in the Sacramento okay. market. A lot for us as well. We're covered with lot? designers. Like a little over 50%, 80%. I would probably say somewhere between 40 and 60% for Sacramento. But sometimes the designers aren't overly involved. They'll help with the selection process, but they don't want to be a part of the purchase. They don't want to make money on it. They just, they want to help with the design. So it really depends on the designer. All right. And I know... Best is not a not a huge designer. Uh. Well, I'll answer that and say about five percent of our customers are designers, except for Manhattan, which is very different, very strong the designer and consumer side. And that's that's not because of COVID. That's just your business model, correct? Exactly. All right. Um, I love that one of the reps on the call just said we have cooties. <laughs> that was directed at you, Jonas. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I know who it was. <laughs> he probably does. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, I've got a good question here. We're going back to my list. Um, those are all great questions. Attendees, keep the questions coming. This is great. Those are all awesome questions, and this is for you guys. So um, what are some of the best tools that manufacturers have provided for your virtual show? Not even just your virtual showrooms, but your showrooms during this time since COVID started. You know, I can, I can jump on that one real quick. Uh, we had a rep firm, actually a DPHA rep firm in Northern California who has done an incredible job of really trying to push out, actually two now that I think about it, both DPHA rep firms who have pushed out a lot of virtual trainings. Mary. What was that? I said, Mary. Uh, I, I would definitely say Mary. Um, but yes, they've done a fantastic job. And we've had some associates who have completely embraced it and really wanted to further their knowledge and become better at what they do and become the best of the best. Um, but then we've had some reps who have really struggled with trying to create the virtual PKs. We are, and I didn't get a chance to answer it, but we are still not doing in-person PKs at this time. Our, our thought on it is we still want to remain, they're starting to come back in, but we're not doing in-person PKs, trying to limit that exposure. Um, but the biggest thing is 
some people have done a fantastic job. Some of these reps have really spent time and engineered a whole curriculum that works. One of our struggles is we don't have microphones or cameras at our computers. So to chat back and forth with the rep, we got to chat. Hmm. That, that is definitely a challenge. Yeah. That's, that's an interesting one. Um, Jennifer, what about you? What are some of the best tools that manufacturers or reps have provided for your, for your showrooms? I have to agree. I have to agree with Jordan. I had the exact same experience. I feel like the reps really kicked butt. Mm -hmm. They were so supportive. They found creative ways to really train my girls, give them new things, let them know what the update is. Let us know what's on back order. They communicated very well. They were so supportive, checked in with us. You know, um, I would just have to say that that was, I mean, I have to agree with Jordan. We had the exact same experience. Some of them did struggle a little bit, but once they kind of got called up and figured out what they needed to do, then they were, you know, it's, it's actually been quite nice. So I'm very proud of all the manufacturers and reps through this entire process. It's yeah. been great. Yeah. Great. Um, and Debbie wants to share that she, um, they did invite reps back in by appointment only and that the South yeah. Florida reps seem very happy with that. Um, so glad to hear that. Um, I have a question of how do you get new products to review without in-person or actual product reviews? How are you handling seeing new product? Jonas. We have, uh, we'll, we'll have a product or category of interest. We'll have the manufacturers send it to us. We have a workshop that's always been set up for preview of the product before we decide on whether it's going to a showroom or not. So it's, it, the process hasn't changed at all. We, we very rarely depended on the, matter, on the vendor or the rep to bring the product to show us. Uh, we would um, review it. So, okay, send us one of these, one of these, one of these, and then we'd come in and we'd make that decision. So the, 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 the rep coming through to our merchandising department uh, uh, you know, suitcases in hand, samples in hand, would probably uh, be ahead of himself. So we, we, were, we're, we were very organized and respect the rep's time. And uh, we would have a preview meeting, which is where he would explain what the product might be, what he wants to show us. And then if we were interested or if it was uh, relevant, we would schedule the product to come in and then have them walk us through it. All right. Um, this is a good question. Uh, how would, and, I'm, and it's, it's going to lead me to my last question on my outline too. So how would you grade manufacturers' performances regarding communication and lead times during this time? Ooh. <laughs> oh, that is, those are not good pieces. Oh. I am sorry for this. Jordan, go for it. Oh, I'm going first again. <laughs> Um, <laughs> all three of you had big responses. So all three of you are going to answer this. You know, this is a really tough question to answer. And I, I've already looked at the participants in this. And I know there's a lot of uh, my colleagues out there and manufacturers that are watching this. So uh, I'll be honest. Um, some manufacturers have beyond dropped the ball. Um, we're having to reach out to manufacturers more, some manufacturers, not all, but some manufacturers more often than we should have to. Um, we have a rep firm in Northern California who sends us an email probably once a week. We just got one, I think earlier this week, updating us on one of their vendors and it's, 
it's been hit or miss. You know, my my assistant team has struggled trying to get information from vendors on where lead times are at. And there's a big company out there that they push dates around. Well, now the smaller companies are starting to do that, but we're not being informed with that. Uh, one of our vendors has a 12-week lead time right now on anything that we order. And I understand it because in California, a lot of these vendors closed. But at the same time, we have to figure out how to get somewhat back on track because we're not going to be able to place orders with you as a vendor if we can't meet the client's expectations or deadline. And that's a big problem for me and my team because, you know, for us, it's becoming about the customer experience and we can't meet that expectation and give them that experience if we can't meet the deadlines. And, you and it's not us, it's the vendors not being able to perform. Yeah. And you sell appliances too, which this is just a slight sidebar. And then I'm going to get back to Jonas and Jennifer to answer this. But I've heard that appliances are backordered like insane, like they've never been right now. Uh, I emailed the guy I was talking about earlier to have him put a quote together for one of our customers. And the range is backordered until February of 2021. I mean, yes, it that's is. what I'm hearing. Yeah. And I know that I ordered my. Um, I ordered my mom a refrigerator. Sorry, Rebecca put a uh, post up there. Well, this, this is how I, I heard about it is two of my friends, um, Rebecca and Minnie, just, just ordered kitchen appliances and they're back ordered for Un God knows how. Unfortunately, Cafe is back ordered. Yep. Uh, a lot of GE products are back ordered, a lot of Whirlpool, a lot of KitchenAid. Um, we have two vendors who actually were hit by COVID, big ones. Uh, on the appliance world and their higher end brands. So their delays and lead times have gotten extended. Um, I called a rep the other day because we needed to return a product, which is very rare. And he said, you might want to keep it because it's about a four week to eight week back order on top of our normal three to four weeks. And it's like, oh, okay. We'll make do. Yeah. Awesome. So Jonas and Jennifer, um, <laughs> let's 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 hear your uh, hey Jennifer, you, you gotta be real i had to be real you gotta okay, be real well, for us you have to understand we're in south carolina they don't understand why nothing is shipping they think everybody else in this world is all like everything's is is everything should be fine um so the problem is is that the back orders definitely has been a huge issue for me and just the communication you call First of all, you call, you stay on hold for a while, or you get hung up on a couple of times. That, since, that tends to happen a lot to my girls. And then we email the reps, and the reps are like, well, they, they tell you to call this number, and then you call this number, and then you get a response, and the response is, this is an estimated lead time. And then you go by that estimate, and then you call when you set your date to check on it again. And I was like, oh, it's back for another four weeks. So the communication on the lead time is not very clear and it has become a huge problem. Um, frustrated uh, customers, because you kind of give them a heads up, okay, this is estimated weeks. And then when it extends longer, they want to know why and you know want explanations. And it can be quite difficult and it's frustrating. And then it makes us look bad because mm -hmm. they're expecting us to have that correct information. And we're the one that's putting the manufacturer on the floor. So what's on the floor is the companies that we support. And in return, I'm selling those companies and they're expecting me to support the companies. You know what I'm saying? So 
so I'm kind of, that is the only bad thing I can say this whole process is lead time and communication. Um, you know, having a hard time getting a hold of some of our manufacturers and getting a clear answer. So it has been a huge issue and the delays are killing us. So um, it's almost like if it's not in stock, I would just not recommend buying it right now. If it's especially a remodel, you know. Kimberly, I'm going to jump in again if I can. Of course. Um, I want to add to what Jennifer is saying too. And we're in a similar boat where we're getting that same issue. One thing is we've been reaching out to our reps and our reps are really going above and beyond to try and get us answers. Jennifer, I don't know if you're experiencing that there, but the vendors talking about calls, I can tell you two brands, I won't name them, but I can tell you two brands right now that my assistants will call and they'll be put on hold for 20, 30, 40 minutes. And then somebody will finally answer the call to hang up on them. And it's yep. getting very nerve wracking. So what we've had to do is we've had to reach out to the rep and he gave us access to their online portal because it's like, we can't get answers. We have clients who are depending on these answers because their projects are on hold. But the reps in my market have definitely stepped up and are trying to do the best they can. And the warranties are also another whole issue. Like when you send something over to get a warranty, there's delay on cartridges and things like that. And people are just not willing to wait. They want instant gratification. They're not understanding. They don't, you tell them something and you give them the wrong, they feel like you're, if you give them the wrong information, then, you know, then it's your fault. But in reality, you're given the information that you were told. So, you know, it has become a process. It's been a little harder um, to work with, but we're trying and we understand the manufacturers are doing what they can, but I feel like that's an area that they really need to button up a little bit better. Yeah. Jonas, do you have anything to add to that? Well, the lead time information is the Achilles heel of our industry. It always has been. Yeah, even um, before COVID. Yeah. yeah. Everything depends on when the customer needs it and our ability to get it to them when they need it, where they need it and how they need it. So uh, if we can't do that, we can't get that information, accurate information, whether it's COVID or pre-COVID or post-COVID, we're, 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 we're hurting ourselves. So the vendor that we select is going to be the vendor that does the best job at it. So forget about your new products that you're coming out with. Forget about the, this and forget about that. Just do the job that you're supposed to do and give us accurate information. If the salespeople on the showroom floor are happy, your product is going to sell. It's not more complicated than that. The salespeople on the floor are going to be happy if they have less aggravation from your product, and they're going to specify that day in and day out. Of course, SPIF does help than other products that they're having difficulties with. We all see that in our stores, and it's always been that way. Now everything's exacerbated because of the real issues that many vendors are having. So I think Jennifer's got it, the idea where this is what's in stock. And we can tell a customer right there and then what's in stock and what's not in stock. We have two and a half people in our office. All they do is update lead times. And that's all, they've always done that. That's always been our system where we're, we manage lead times very, very carefully so that we can give the salespeople as accurate information as we can. Those vendors that don't support that accurate information or consistently just make up, oh, it's two weeks, it's two weeks. And they're not going to be, that we're not going to do business with them because it's just much too arduous and difficult. And our salespeople aren't going to sell it. And if they're not going to sell it, we're not going to stock it, et cetera, et cetera. So it's very important. Probably the biggest, most important thing that a vendor can do to support their customer base. That's great. You guys just all answered my last question with that question. <laughs> 
So my last question was, what more can your manufacturers do to help? And you just told them. Lead times and communication. Make the salespeople happy. Um, So that's a wrap for today. Um, Thank you. I think that is the most questions we've ever had from an audience on any of our webinars. So thank you guys so much for being involved. Jennifer, Jordan, Jonas, thank you guys for being awesome panelists. And um, this is being recorded and will be on our members only side of our website. Um, So you guys can view it, share it, whatever you'd like. And thank you so much. We are going to take a little hiatus on our webinars um, due to DPHA Connect, our virtual conference, which is October 22nd and 23rd. And we're going to start back up Uh, I believe November 11th with the webinars. And we're going to start with one on social media and and our industry and who's doing it right, uh, tips, tricks, and everything. So if you'd like to be involved in that, um, our panelists are not set yet. So if you'd like to be involved, please reach out. We'd love to have a showroom, a rep agency, and a manufacturer to talk about that. So please reach out to me, uh, Kimberly at dpha.net. And thank you guys so much for everything and have a wonderful day. If you would like to present in the future or inquire about membership or sponsorship, please visit dpha.net today.